You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. It has often been said about the parables of Jesus that parables are not bedtime stories to put you to sleep, but more they are bugle calls to waken you up. And a parable is more than what sometimes is described in a school definition that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It certainly is, but it is much more than that. It's a story that was recognizable by the people to whom Jesus was speaking at that particular time. They could identify with it in their mind's eye if there was not some visual expression before them. And from those uh, pictures that Jesus painted, very often he then drew certain pertinent spiritual truths as was certainly the case with this particular parable that we read this morning, the parable that so often is entitled the parable of the laborers of the vineyard. And here Jesus was not describing some imaginary situation, but he was something, describing something that people in Palestine at that particular time would clearly understand. It was an area where there was a lot of grapes grown, and it was about this time of the year, the grape time when they would be pulling in the grapes would be round about the end of September, early October. And close on this responsibility, when this was done, the rains would come. I have links and friends in Malawi, and very often they can say to me, well, at a certain day, and they're talking months in advance, at a certain day in December, there will be significant rain. Now, how they know that, I'm not sure, but very often they're correct in their diagnosis of the weather conditions. But as far as this parable is concerned, what was happening was these grapes had to be gathered in because very soon after that, and very quickly, the rains would come. And because of the delicacy of a grape not being the most robust of fruit, that if it wasn't gathered in immediately, it could easily be destroyed. And the men who were standing at the marketplace were not what we might want to call street corner idlers wasting their time away. In Palestine, again, the marketplace was where people would have gone in the morning, they would have taken the tools of their trade, there they would have stood and they would have longed for and waited for someone to come and hire them. They were not just gossiping idlers, they were really wanting work. And the fact that some of them stood until the 11th hour, which was 5 o'clock in the afternoon, was an indication of how desperately they were looking for work. The Jewish day started at 6 o'clock in the morning. It lasted for 12 hours as far as work was concerned. So when the landlord went out uh, early in the morning, that was 6 o'clock. Then he went out at 9 o'clock, at 12 o'clock, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and finally at 5 o'clock, just an hour before the working day was over. And so you can picture the parable that Jesus Christ was giving a, a, a description of at that particular time. And with that basic introduction, I want us to look at three things that we can learn from this parable. And the first one was this, that laborers were urgently needed. And the vineyard, I'm giving you three points, were vast, was vast in its size. And then the third thing I want to say was the danger that the laborers faced. Maybe we'll take the, the second one first, that the vineyard was vast in its size. 
This was clear from the number of occasions that already said that the landlord went out in search of a workforce. He went out early in the morning, and then he went out on four more occasions, total five occasions during the course of the day, looking for people to do work. And I've said why he was so enthusiastic to get people in. I think it would be true to say that the field of service into which the Lord calls us today is large. It was the Methodist preacher, one of the Wesleys, who once said that the world is my parish. And the world today is the, if you want to call it the vineyard, the parish, into which God calls all of us to work today. You remember he gave to his disciples the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. They were to start where they were, and then they were to move out. You remember what he said, go to start in Jerusalem, go to Judea, which is a bit further away, go to Samaria, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. And that was what the disciples were told, that's what the early Christians were told, and that's what you and I are told, because... In each of the four Gospels, that commission, as well as in the book of the Acts of the Apostles, is very clearly underscored in order that we get it into our heads that that simply is what Jesus wants us to do. And where is the world that we're called to work in? Well, your home, your workplace, your school classroom, your school gate, your area of recreation, the market if you go there, the farm, even the church here. Yes, there are so many places that constitute what we're told is the world and into which we are asked to go. And we're called to start to work where we are. Now, of course, some people may say, well, if Jesus Christ gave the great commission to the church that they were going to go into all the world, they were starting in Jerusalem, and they would go to the ends of the earth, how on earth are, are those of us who live in Macherfeld, how are we... Uh, going to be able to influence what's going on to the uttermost parts of the earth. We can't all up sticks and go. Well, the answer, of course, to that question is quite simple. We only need to read through the New Testament into Acts 13, where you have a picture of the church in Antioch. And what was the church in Antioch doing? We're told that on one occasion they were worshiping, and the Holy Spirit came upon the church and said this, that they were to go and send two of their, if you want to call it their best members, who were Saul and Barnabas at that particular time, and they were to send them out from Antioch. They were no longer were to work in Antioch. They were to go elsewhere. And when they would go elsewhere, the church at home, what were they to do? They were to support them. They were to pray for them. They were to provide for them. And that is the principle of the Great Commission. Yes, work at home, but there will be some people, and for one reason or another, they're called to work elsewhere, and those who remain at home can assist those who go elsewhere, and they at home are contributing to the work that is going on to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so we need to ask ourselves, are we fitting into this model, the model of being a person who is a laborer in God's vineyard, locally and even internationally. I can remember when I was a wee boy on uh, the last Sunday evening of, uh, of every month when my mum and dad would have come home from church. My mum got out this wee bag that she had, and the bag she had one of these wee books. And uh, she had the, the names of a few people who were missionaries in this book. And she, she used to, to write a wee check or put money, I don't know, can't remember, in, in an envelope. And, and that was to go to help them 
on, on the mission field, there were maybe out the independent missionary societies. But I suppose that was her effort or her way of trying to support those who were uh, elsewhere. And just as it was in the parable that people were needed to come in at different stages, one of the things they had to do as well was they had to respond to the call of the, the, the landlord. He went out on those occasions and he called people to work. And the vineyard is vast in its size. Laborers, we'll see in a minute, are urgently needed. But we can only be a laborer when we have first and foremostly responded to the gospel, to the call of the landlord, if we can put it like that. The question we need to ask ourselves regularly, but this morning is surely this, have I responded to the call of the landlord? Have I responded to his call to me to salvation? Have I put my trust in Jesus Christ as my saviour? Sometimes there are those in church and they don't, they don't like ministers talking about this. They say, well, after all, we, we've been coming to church for years. Is that not enough? Yes, there are people and they have been coming to church for years. And nobody disputes that. But the question that constantly needs to be asked is the question, have you responded to the gospel? Not just the invitation to come to church, but have you responded to the gospel that places you in a position where you are required fundamentally as a result of your response to become a laborer in God's vineyard. Well, we've seen how the vineyard was vast in its size. And that's why the laborers were urgently needed. Because of this narrow window of opportunity that there was between when the, the harvest, the grape harvest would be lifted and when the rains would ultimately break. And laborers were required to do different jobs. There were those who would be required to go into the vineyard and they were to pull the bunch of grapes off the, off the, off the, the vine. And there were others then who put the grapes into baskets or whatever they collected them in. There were those who transported them to wherever they had to go in order to be processed. And there were those who processed them. In other words, there were different responsibilities within the whole area of bringing in the grapes. And when it comes to church life, surely there are many different responsibilities that you can be involved in within the fellowship of the church. Well, outside of the church, first of all, if you're a Christian parent, you need to be encouraging your children at home in Christian things. Or maybe to come back into church again. There are those who feel comfortable and they are Sunday school teachers faithfully preparing and delivering lessons Sunday by Sunday. There may be those who have got the gift to prepare Bible studies and things like that for other people. Uh, there are those who and there are a few of them who maybe write commentaries. I'm thinking of people who usually who are involved in that sort of thing. Uh, 
there are those who can be involved in so many different ways. There are those who go out of the church and who become chaplains in hospitals or prisons or in the armed forces. But there are so many areas of work and laborers are urgently needed in each and every one of them because the vineyard is vast in its size. And just as it was true in the parable, so it is true today. There was a narrow, as I say, length of time between bringing in the crop and the rains coming. In other words, there was a limit, limited time that they had to do the work. And it's so true to say that within Christian circles too, you and I have a limited amount of time. For example, if you're a Sunday school teacher, I don't know how the Sunday school is run here, but if you're a Sunday school teacher, maybe you have a class which you keep for a year. And then after that year's up, they move on to another class and you, take, you get a new class. You have a year to influence those particular children in your class. Or, or maybe people who you work with. You're working with a certain set of people today, but you've no guarantee that some of them are not going to move on tomorrow, and therefore today is the time for you to seek to influence them within the workplace. Or your sphere of labor, your sphere of work, wherever you happen to be, may come to an end because you yourself retire. So we're placed in situations in church and in community life where we interact, where we link with people at different times of our lives, at different occasions, and we have an opportunity to witness to them then, but the time will not always be there when we can do that. So surely what this is saying is that we need to use the gifts and talents that God has given to us, not in the future but now. And we need to be engaged in work. And, and what would, might that work be? Well, of course, for all of us, that work surely starts with prayer. And God calls us to pray. Because unless we pray, then our, our labor, to use a, a phrase, is sometimes in vain. And then what we need to ask ourselves is the question, what is my talent Wherein can I best use the abilities that God has given to us? Of course, some people say, well, no, I'm not good at anything, but that's nonsense. We are good at something. All of us are blessed with certain talents. It may be we can work with children. It may be we can work with young people. It may be we, where we just can't cope with these people, but we can work with senior citizens. It may be that we are open to hospitality that we're a good baker at home and we can help people through uh, giving them things when, when, when they need help. Or, or maybe we're good at planning or organizing or leading study groups or talking to people uh, on a one-to-one -one basis or encouraging people or being involved musically in the church or being involved in so many different avenues of service within the church. And then, of course, people will, will ask the question, you know, I don't like to push myself, and, and I don't really know what my talent is. Well, surely what your talent is is quite simple. It's what you're good at. And we're not all experts at everything. My wife tells me, and she's usually right, um, because she usually gets, I usually get the last word, yes, dear, but... She always tells me I'm not very good mechanically. When the, when, when the 
when the hoover in the house, you know, the thing cleaning, when it breaks down, it's not me that fixes it. It's not even the, the man at the, at the shop fixes it. She fixes it. She's good at that sort of thing. Um, when the plug needs changed, I say, the plug needs changed there. She'd always, she always fixes the plug. She tells me I put the wrong color in the wrong place. Uh, and therefore, I say, well, I, I'm no good at that. That's a good thing to do that, because when you say you're no good at a thing, you're never asked to do it. Um, and the more things you're not good at, the less things you have to do. But, you know, we all have talents at some level or another. That which we're good at. Or, let's put it like that. If you don't know what your talent is, what do other people say you're good at? Maybe somebody comes to you in the church and they put their hand on your shoulder and say, you know, you're, you're, you're very good with old people or you're very good with young people or, you know, you're good at talking to people about Christian things or you're good at counseling people or you're good at helping people. That's God's way very often of telling us what our talent is. Or, or our talent at times can be that which we're naturally attracted to. Sometimes we, we think, you know, in Christian work, you know, the thing that God wants me to do is the thing that I don't want to do and that I'm not good at. But that's not, more often than not, the case. The case is that very often God wants us to do those things that we're naturally good at. And when we do that, then we're working in the vineyard. The vineyard is vast in its size. Laborers are urgently needed. And thirdly, what are the dangers of working in the vineyard. Well, let me remind you that some started at early in the morning at six o'clock, others went to nine, twelve, three, five. And then the working day was over. And there's an interesting arrangement at that time. The people who started last at the eleventh hour, they came and they got their wages. And then the people, and you can imagine if you were the guy that started at six in the morning, you thought, hmm, it was good. People who started at, at five in the afternoon, I thought I would be getting what they're getting, but they've got that, therefore I'll be getting a lot more. But that wasn't the case. And then, well, we'll come to it in a moment, they complained. But what about the person who becomes a Christian when they're six? And they give their whole life in the service of God as time goes on. And then the person who's converted on their deathbed. Where does the person who's six go? Because they're a believer in the Lord. To heaven. But where does the person on their deathbed go? To heaven. They're both occupying the place of many mansions. And as a result of that, Jesus was basically saying, look, I can do what I want in this parable. If I want to give the people who came in at the 11th hour the same as I give you coming in at the, at the early morning, well, that's my prerogative. That is God's prerogative because he is God. But what are the dangers that we've got to, and these people needed to, to think about? There was a danger in those days of idleness, uh, because these people have been standing about to five o'clock, and did they look around the corner 
when the man came in order that other people would be asked to do the work or well, we don't really know the answer to that question, but there is always a danger in the Lord's work and in his service of being idle. Leave it to somebody else. So-and-so always does it. If I don't volunteer, sure. Well, I know of a congregation where there's a man, and I always say he works far harder than the minister. Not that the minister's slothful, but he's constantly down in the church office every morning, retired admittedly, and every morning and he's there all day and he's working hard and he's doing all sorts of things and organizing Bible studies and taking Bible studies and he just is full time and doesn't get a penny for it. But there is a danger when we respond to gospel that we can be idle. Or in verse 10, there's a danger of jealousy. And surely that's the devil's masterstroke among the Lord's people at times. Why was so-and-so given that position and I wasn't, or my wee Jimmy wasn't, or somebody else wasn't? And we can be jealous. Or, or criticism. Why did he get what I got when he started at the 11th hour? And we can be jealous of one another in the Lord's work. Or these people, what did they do? We, we read that when... The resources were being given out at the end of the day. They were grumbling. They were discontent. Why did so-and-so get this and I got the same? Or in our society and in church, why was so-and-so asked and I wasn't asked? And then, of course, that leads to, within the whole framework of the church, a discouragement. That people are, well, they're grumbling and complaining and making a fuss very often about nothing when you think about the great issues of life and death and time and eternity. And they pick holes in the slightest wee thing. And yet, we need to see the bigger picture rather than be discouragers. We need to be encouragers to walk alongside the young people of the church and say it's good to see you here and invite your friends and we'll try to accommodate the church in such a way that we are faithful to the gospel but we're also relevant to you in your day and age and in your generation maybe at times we need to step back from what our preferences are in order to support and encourage sometimes I go around church and I remember being at the church one Sunday morning and there was up in the gallery there were two rows of, of young guys and after the service was over the clerk of session said to me see them boys over there they're a real handful they, they want this they want that and they want the other about the church and I remember looking at this boy and he was about 85 and I said to him there's many a minister would give his right arm to have those guys Sunday by Sunday in his church and you make it easy for them to stay and not to go elsewhere. So at times in the church we need to be, as always in fact, not at times, always, we need to be encouragers. And when they're encouragers then the church thrives and we can experience God's blessing. And so the vineyard in the parable, it was big. All hands were needed. The labors were urgently needed. 
there was always the danger of the laborers not pulling together, working together. But when they did so, the crop was brought in and the rains came, nothing was destroyed and all was well. Are we a laborer in God's vineyard? Are we in a position where we can be a laborer because we need to ask first and foremost have we responded to the landlord's call to be involved in his vineyard? Let us pray. Thank you.